2 Timothy chapter 2 from verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. Uh, and this is God's word. One of the things uh, we love about village life is knowing our postman. Steph and I have lived in five different houses, I think, since we were married. And this is the first where we've had a consistent, uh, local, and uh, dare I say, friendly postman. Um, his name is Shay. I think he's from Ballymore Eustace. He knows our address better than we know his, his of course. Um, and our postman, Shay, he always shares a cheerful hello, and he often uh, does helpful things for us, like hide our parcels around the back of the house when we're not at home. Maybe I shouldn't have just put that information online, but I dare say uh, anyone stealing post would know that anyway. Um, one thing Shay doesn't do for us is write our post himself. So when he comes around to deliver the post, he doesn't sit in the van scribbling with a pen or typing on a laptop or writing and printing all those um, cards and bills and all the rest before he pops them through the letterbox. At Christmas time, he doesn't write all the cards that we receive from family and friends. Shay doesn't make up any of those messages. He just passes them on. He passes on the message that someone else has given him. He doesn't write our post. He just delivers it, and probably just as well for his own sake. Uh, and that's like us with the gospel. We don't make it up. We just pass it on. We pass it on to people who need to hear it and turn and trust in Jesus. We pass it on to each other to help us keep trusting Jesus and growing in our faith. And we pass it on to new church leaders as well, um, who themselves can stick to it and pass it on uh, to, to all of those in different ways. And that's where Paul begins this second chapter of his letter to Timothy. Um, stick to the gospel and pass it on. Stick to the gospel and pass it on. Let's just reread verses 1 and 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So the standout instruction we thought last week of chapter 1 was to guard the gospel, keeping the teaching of the apostles as the unchanging blueprint for calling people to follow Jesus 
and um, teaching them how to live for him. We're not free to change the gospel because the gospel is not a human invention. Um, The gospel is the truth about God's undeserved forgiveness and favor to human beings who are, every one of us, under his wrath and headed for his justice. And chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, uh, the grace and the gospel message of that grace have been given by God, revealed by God, and brought to us by God. If we change the gospel, if we, uh, if we change the gospel, we destroy the gospel, and we spread a useless fake that doesn't work, it doesn't save. And we also can't change the gospel because it's tied to particular historical events and actions of God in history. Chapter 1, verse 10, it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light. The gospel is not a philosophy or a moral code. No, God the Son stepped into human history and died the death of rebels and traitors, giving his life as a ransom for all who would turn and trust in him for forgiveness and eternal life restored to God. And God proved that Jesus was the Savior and the Lord by raising him from the dead, as he will one day raise us. Those are historical facts of the gospel. So we are to guard the gospel, but of course that doesn't mean locking it up so that no one can find it. Uh, Guarding the gospel means we stick to the gospel and we pass it on. We stick to it and we share it. Stick to the gospel. That's the idea, I think, of chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The end of chapter 1, Paul made a note that Christians all over Asia, which is modern-day Turkey, had deserted him. Uh, verse 15, even a couple of guys who maybe should have known better and, and maybe should have done better. Christians were embarrassed that Paul had been arrested again and perhaps scared that being known as a Christian was becoming very dangerous. But verse 16, there were those who would even come to Rome, the real danger spot, to find and help Paul. So Timothy needs to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Well, Timothy certainly needs to be strong and brave to stand up to danger from Rome and difficulty from false teachers in the church. Uh, And when Paul is soon put to death, Timothy's job will be even harder. He won't have his mentor uh, with him. It'll be even lonelier for him. Uh, But he's to stay strong, keep going, keep working, stick to the gospel, and pass it on. Timothy, of course, is not strong. We thought about that last week. He's young and sickly and shy. He's not strong, but God is strong, and God is on his side. God is for Timothy, and God is full of grace. God is is overflowing with favor and blessing that we don't deserve. Timothy might think, who am I to lead a church? Who am I to guard the gospel? Who am I to teach it to others? I'm not strong. I don't deserve God's help, but God is strong, and God loves to help. Timothy needs to think like this. I'm a nobody and I'm a sinner. I don't deserve anything good from God. But all the same, God still loves me. And he still saved me. And he's even using me. So if God's doing all this, well, then I'm going to keep trusting him and trusting his grace and his strength. And I'll try to keep going and keep working and sticking to the gospel and passing it on. God is in this. God is with me. So stick to the gospel. 
and pass it on. Verse 2, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Maybe you have a picture in your house, I think we have one, uh, of four generations of a family. Uh, A little girl, her mum, her granny, and her great-granny, perhaps all in a room uh, or all all, uh, sitting posing for a photo. Four generations. Well, here Paul is the oldest generation telling Timothy in generation two to entrust the gospel to reliable men of generation three who themselves be qualified to teach it to others. That's generation four. Uh, Paul's not just passing it on just down to Timothy, but he's telling Timothy to pass it to others. He'll be able to pass it to others again. Uh, it's, like, um, it's like great granny passing on a precious family recipe to her daughter to make sure that her daughter is able to teach it to her daughter. Uh, why would you do that? Because it's special and it works and it makes delicious whatever it is. And it, we want everyone to be able to enjoy it. I did linger on that illustration and think family recipes often tend to be quite closely guarded secrets. So it's not maybe a great illustration for the gospel, which we want to just get out far and wide, but it's the idea of passing it on. That's the the bit you should remember. Um, So we each need to know and understand the gospel so that we trust Jesus to save us. And at the heart of our church life should be efforts to know and understand the gospel better. And so what are we doing in that category? Uh, Well, right now listening to a sermon, and that's good. Uh, perhaps it's useful to take notes on sermons or to go back again maybe later on Sunday or Monday morning and read the passage again just to to help think it over and help it to sink in to our heads and our hearts. Or perhaps um, you could join in with Thursday Bible studies or the men's and women's reading groups, taking those chances to think over the state of our world and the state of our hearts and the good news of Jesus. Maybe, uh, Maybe you could lead a Bible study sometimes. I'd love to to talk some folks through how to lead uh, and think over a passage and craft some questions that help people to study it together. Um, we can also support new preachers in the church or, or students taking courses like the women's ministry course or modules at IBI or uh, even a course like David's just finished uh, in, the, in the Baptist College. How can you help our church uh, to stick to the gospel and pass it on? Maybe that's more of a job for leaders like Timothy. And yes, it is. But Paul actually scolds the whole Galatian church for the false teaching that they've started to listen to. And so in a way, the whole church is responsible uh, for um, learning and preserving and passing on the gospel. And of course, the flip side of that is if if we're a church that knows and shares the gospel, we're going to spot false teaching just like that and stay safe from it. So there's benefits all around Stick to the gospel and pass it on. That sounds simple, doesn't it? If we finish there, uh, happy days, easy. Uh, But it's not easy, is it? Stick to the gospel and pass it on, uh, even when that's difficult or costly. Even when that's difficult or costly. Paul gives three examples for Timothy to think about. A soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And he says, verse 7, reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into all this. You know, of course, if you ever get annoyed or agitated, you need to find a chair made of mirrors because then you can sit down and reflect. Let's, uh, 
Let's reflect on the soldier. So verse 3, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. So what does a soldier do? A soldier sticks to the mission, not getting distracted. A soldier works hard, wanting to please the commander. A soldier endures hardship, cold, wet, scared, exhausted. A soldier keeps going to complete the mission. And we, like Timothy, need to endure hardship to complete the mission because we want to please our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus. Jesus says, stick to the gospel and pass it on. And what do we say? Yes, sir. Uh, Do we say that? Even when it's hard? Often in life, uh, we, can, we can hold the gospel in one hand and we can hold our comfort in the other. And circumstances often allow us to carry both. We can have the gospel and we can still be comfortable. Um, but what happens when we can't have both? What about when a painful trial comes or, or worse, opposition or a challenge to our faith of some sort? Um, when suddenly we need both hands to hold on to one or other of those things. We can let go of our comfort and hold on to the gospel, or we can drop the gospel and hold on more tightly to our comfort. Um, That choice, I think, will come more clearly in Ireland in the, the days and years ahead, I think. But really, it comes every time we decide not to defend or share Jesus with people around us. We're choosing, choosing comfort over the gospel. What if we can't hold on to both? Which will we choose? Uh, endure hardship like a serving soldier. Let's reflect on the athlete. Let's read verse 5. If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. It's, it's no use being a cheat in sport. I think the Olympic Games are coming up, aren't they? Uh, the 2020 Olympics are coming up this year. Uh, what a time. <laughs> Athletes will run and jump and throw and pedal and swim their very best, trying to win the gold medal. Uh, but if they cheat, their medal will be taken away. Lance Armstrong was an incredible cyclist who won seven Tour de France titles in a row. Uh, but investigations later found that he had used performance-enhancing drugs throughout his career. Uh, a report named him as the ringleader of, quote, the most sophisticated, professionalized, and successful doping program that sport has ever seen. Wow. And so he was stripped of his titles. All that work, all those wins, it didn't count. Timothy as well, and we, we cannot break the rules. We cannot take shortcuts or cut corners in trusting, obeying, or serving Jesus. We can't fake it. Are we faking it? Are we really running this race? Are we really training and growing and strengthening and putting the effort and the discipline in to grow in knowledge and love of God and the ability to share his wonderful message with other people? I mean, if it all seems too much, too much effort, too much work, remember the victor's crown. Remember the gold medal. The glory is waiting for every one of us. Let's discipline ourselves and run this race all the way to the finish line. And finally, let's reflect on the farmer. 
Uh, always a topic I'm nervous to speak about in Brannock's town. Uh, but the harmer, the, verse 6, the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Nothing controversial there. <laughs> Some people think this is Paul telling Timothy to accept the pay of the church for the hard work that he's putting in for them. I don't think so. Not in this context. Paul does make that point somewhere else. But I think he's reminding Timothy and us to work hard in all of this. Don't just give up. Don't sit back. Don't coast along. Get stuck in to the gospel in our church. Yes, like farming, gospel work is hard. No, you won't have much fruit to show for a long time. Yes, there are times when you're worried that some storm or predator is going to destroy it all. But work hard, be patient, and you will be fully rewarded when the time comes. The Christian life just sticking to the gospel in our own hearts and our own minds and lives. It's long and it's hard and it's costly. It takes endurance like a soldier on a mission. It takes discipline like an athlete in training. It takes patient hard work like a farmer looking for a harvest. But God will not be in our debt. God will not owe us one. We're working to to please our commander-in-chief. We're striving for the crown of glory, the gold medal. We're certain of a generous reward. What does persevering, disciplined, patient, hard work look like in your Christian life and in mine? Verse 7, let's reflect on what Paul's saying, for the Lord will give us insight into all this. So stick to the gospel and pass it on, even when that's difficult or costly, because the gospel saves people. Because the gospel saves people. And we finish with this idea. Uh, What do we need to remember when sticking to the gospel and passing it on becomes difficult and costly? Well, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Remember Jesus who suffered the most going to his death that out of great love for us, he would save us. If it's difficult for us, let's remember it was difficult for him. If it's costly for us, remember it was costly for him. We're not being asked to do any more than he has done for us. Remember how Jesus was raised and vindicated, proved to be the Son of God and glorified. We hate it when people tell tales about us, don't, don't we? Uh, People make accusations. We love to be proved right, uh, proved innocent. Well, Jesus was proved to be exactly who he said he was, proved by the resurrection. Uh, Jesus Christ, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead. Remember Jesus who who is now risen and reigning and active in his world, working for his people. Also remember Jesus, Paul says, descended from David. Such an odd little verse, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. I wonder if it was some sort of like mini creed or saying that they had. I don't know. Uh, But remember Jesus, descended from David. So a king born in a stable, laid in a feeding trough, but now reigning on David's throne forever. Uh, What's the point? Why why is it going to help us to remember that? Well, can we not put up with a little difficulty for a while as Jesus came so humbly and suffered on his route to glory. Can we not bear the cost of following Jesus for for a while? It's just for a little while now, and then we'll share the glory of the king. Remember Jesus. Verse 9, this is my gospel. 
for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Remember Jesus. That's what we need to do when sticking with Jesus is difficult or costly. That was enough for Paul, even though he's chained up like a common criminal and facing death. He might be chained up, but the good news of Jesus is not chained up. Paul's been sharing it already. In fact, if you flick over to chapter 4, verse 17, you'll see uh, in absolute keeping with, with Paul, he's been sharing it at the first hearing of his trial. So he's, he's waiting the sort of final verdict, but he's been sharing it already. Any chance in front of people to, to share. And Timothy and others are still sharing that same gospel far and wide. Nothing can stop it. God's word, the good news of Jesus, is unstoppable. And so verse 10, Paul will stick to it and share it no matter what, so that the people God chooses to hear it will hear it, and the people God chooses to accept it will accept it, and the people God chooses to save by it will be saved by it, and the people God chooses to bring into his eternal glory by it will be brought into his eternal glory by it. In other words, Paul will stick to the gospel and share the gospel no matter what, because it's the gospel that saves people. And so here's the question for Timothy, and the question for you, and the question for me. Will we stick to the gospel and pass it on? Here's the biggest question of our Christian lives. Will we stick to the gospel and pass it on? Paul has this little poem, uh, little poem or verse of a hymn, perhaps, to, to bring this challenge home to Timothy and to us. Verse 11, here's a trustworthy saying. Um, here's somebody's favorite hymn, just reading a verse. <laughs> uh, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. So here are the two options, the two answers to our question. What was the question? Will you stick to the gospel and pass it on? Will you? Here are the two options. Option one, it's so hard, but Jesus died for me. He's the only reason I'm alive, the only reason I have eternal life. So with God's help, I pray I'm going to hang in there and stick with Jesus and share Jesus no matter what for the rest of my life. That's option one, or as, as Paul's poem puts it, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. That's option one. Here's option two. It's so hard. I know Jesus died, but look what's happening in our world, in our country, in our culture. We're in a different time. We're in a different moment right now and a difficult moment. And I don't think that following Jesus is right for me anymore. Or as Paul's poem puts it, if we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I don't think that's a note of hope at the end, by the way. That's not Paul saying, well, look, even if you mess up so badly that you disown Jesus and deny you have anything to do with him, he'll still save us, even though we've turned our backs on him. No, I don't think that. It's the promise that if we prove to have been faithless and fake, then he will be faithful to his warnings. He will disown us, as the, as the end of verse 12. I'm not up here this morning 
uh, speaking to you guys in the room or you guys in the halls or folks at home. I'm not, I'm not a cheerleader. I'm not a coach. I'm not trying to get you to be a little keener and be a little fitter as a Christian. When I talk about sticking to the gospel and sharing the gospel, even when it's costly, I'm not just speaking to the keen Christians, you know, the ones who have that kind of personality, a bit more, um, a bit more drive in their, in their lives, and, uh, or maybe who haven't been hurt and jaded, who haven't sort of resigned themselves to ticking over in faith. Um, God is speaking to each and every one of us who call ourselves Christians today. Listen to Jesus. These are um, disturbing words in a way. Uh, this is uh, Luke chapter 9. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. This is deadly serious, Timothy. This is deadly serious, Brannockstein. Faithful or faithless, will you stick to the gospel and pass it on, even when it's difficult, even when it's costly? Because it will be. That's the lesson of the soldier, the lesson of the athlete, the lesson of the farmer, the lesson of Jesus, the lesson of Paul, the lesson of every one of us, really. Blessing comes through pain. Fruit comes through toil. Life comes through death. And glory comes through suffering. It is an invariable, unbreakable law of Christian life and service. There's no other path but the path of Jesus. Down into suffering, up into glory. Down into death, up into life. Faithful or faithless, will you stick to the gospel and pass it on, even when it's difficult, even when it's costly? God help us. Um, and as we finish then, let's remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Let's thank God for the Lord Jesus. Why don't we pray? And then that's uh, pretty much our, our time done for this morning. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your son, our Lord Jesus. Thank you that he went through suffering to open the way to glory. Thank you that he walked through the valley of the shadow of death to make a way for us to come safely through behind. Thank you that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and that now, having suffered in full for our sake, he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Thank you that we're alive in him, one day to reign with him. Help us to stick with him. Help us to stick with him and to share him, no matter what you ordain for us and for our lives. Help us to remember that the soldier's commendation and the athlete's gold medal and the farmer's sweet harvest are nothing compared to the generosity and the glory that wait for us who stick with Jesus by your strength and your help. And so we also pray with brothers and sisters of old, almighty and everlasting God, increase in us your gift of faith that forsaking what lies behind and reaching out to that which is before, we may run the way of your commandments 
and win the crown of everlasting joy through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.